This podcast is part of the Telerik Developer Network. Telerik by Progress. Hello and welcome to Eat City Code, the official Telerik podcast. I'm your host, Ed Charbonneau, and with me today is TJ Vantel the third yes and, uh, we have ed sharpen the second oh so man we have the royalty of devrel right yeah you could you could introduce me as theodore van to- well actually theodore joseph van toll the third if i want to sound especially regal <laughs> so mr tj uh i'll call you tj for short um you are a co-worker of mine a fellow developer advocate for progress senior developer ad- or sorry principal developer advocate for progress yes um and uh i guess kind of explain to listeners what that entails so i just work as a developer advocate and i primarily focus on native script which is our tool of progress here that helps developers build iOS and Android apps using JavaScript and came to this job just because I have some background as a JavaScript developer. I sort of got started with JavaScript back in JavaScript's dark days and have seen it through to to now where we're doing some pretty cool things with the language. The dark days aren't over? Uh, yeah, they're over. <laughs> we're no longer... Uh, JavaScript's used for more than form validation nowadays, so... I kid, I kid. <laughs> <laughs> Love JavaScript, too. Um, so today we're going to talk about AR development. And we're going to talk about AR specifically in the context of mobile development. We kind of had a little chat for the show, why, why we might narrow it down like that. And... Uh, the gist of it is that there's just a whole lot to talk about. Yeah. I mean, AR is an enormous topic. I mean, it dates back decades. It's been used in different contexts. There's headsets, there's um, all sorts of things that people are trying to do with it. But I think the the thing you hear in the news more sort of one of the latest and greatest things in the AR world is just AR and iOS and Android. It's just becoming a lot more common, a lot more hip thing for developers to try out and use now i'd assume most people have heard of ar but just for those who may have not uh what's the elevator pitch so ar is short for augmented reality and really the term it it gets applied in a lot of different ways but the easiest way for me to think about it is just anything digitally that's placed into reality and the example I like to use, because I am I'm an avid Pokemon Go player, uh, and the example there in Pokemon Go, it places digital Pokemon, Pokemon that are not really there, into reality uh, when you view re- reality through the lens of your phone. So if you put your phone in, um, these Pokemon appear there. So that would be one example of AR. But really, there's tons of potential examples, things, everything from like Snapchat being used to filter and sort of augment or change reality on the fly. Um, We'll talk about different apps as well, but just sort of your broad definition is just anything digital in reality. Yeah, so that can also include, you know, things like sound and other senses. But in general, uh, at least for the current state of mind, uh, it often refers to something visual. So that's kind True. of where we're at. I, I, in my opinion, with the technologies, generally refers to something visual being overlaid. Um, but you could include sound and other things in that 
that augmented reality definition too. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Um, so, you know, it's getting to be a very popular topic and I, I believe that this has been in the making for quite some time and we're just starting to see the leading edge of this technology pick up. So what is your opinion on you know, why that's happening right now? So I think we've we've long known that there's some really good and really cool use cases of AR. The one problem with the technology is that it's fairly processing intensive. If you think about what you have to do, like what a technology that wants to create, say, like augmented graphics, really, it not only has to take some sort of digital image and place it into um, some, you know, some real world, some reality, but there's a lot of math and a lot of calculations that go into that. You have to be able to sense depth of uh, everything around you. You need special sorts of cameras to be able to detect that sort of thing. There's a lot of positioning involved, especially as the lens you're viewing this thing moves. So if you're wearing a headset and you shake your head around or you just straight up move around, you have a phone, you move around, whatever is projecting that image has to be able to recalculate these things on the fly. And you just straight up need a lot of computing power to make that happen. And if you look back at older applications of AR, oftentimes these things were driven by big mainframes or massive computers and things like that. And it's only fairly recently with just advances in processing power, computing power, that we've been able to build AR into smaller and smaller devices. And within the last handful of years, it's gotten small enough that really we can run fairly compelling AR apps from our phones, which is also compelling just because we all have phones. So whereas there's an entirely different conversation we could have about using AR and things like headsets or some of these other devices as well. The truth is none of these headsets have really come down to a price point that your average consumer can just sort of pick them up pretty easily. And as such, the the most common AR apps you hear out on the market today are on mobile devices just because they they have the distribution model in place. Everybody has a phone. Uh, not many people have a $3,000 HoloLens device um, chilling in the corner of their table, ready to download the next app that comes out. So I think that's one of the big reasons. I, I mean, there are others as well. Um, I think yeah, that, one of the, one yeah, of the ones that is often overlooked is um, the, the fact that AI or machine learning has picked up so much steam um, and the computing power leads to that as well that you mentioned but the computing power enables the ai that's needed to do things like plane detection yeah and that like you said it again comes down to computing power too because then to drive those algorithms you just need a lot of processing muscle to be able to make those things happen as well especially since lots of times these are you know happening locally on the fly just taking in feeds from a camera or something. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're covering specifically like uh, handheld mobile devices, but uh, it's just worth mentioning the HoloLens actually has a processor that's dedicated just to processing that three-dimensional data and doing the detection of surfaces around you and stuff. Uh, that's that's one of the reasons it's so expensive, but so impressive at the same time. Yeah, I think another reason that the headsets have had trouble gaining traction is because there's some UI challenges you face. or Well, it's not even UI. It's more like interaction challenges. Like if I'm wearing something on my head, how do I select something or click something or 
move something and you have a whole new suite of problems that you have to solve. Whereas if you're on a phone, you're, you're sort of limited, which is both a good and a bad thing. But if you're the one making the app, you know, all you've got is a touchscreen to work with. So it sort of simplifies the problem space that you're trying to solve. You just have a phone screen to work with and that's it. Yeah, at least there's something tangible you can touch, right? I mean, you have yeah. a screen you can put your finger on where some of the other devices that are out there, you're kind of left waving your hands in the air or using some kind of third-party controller type of thing. I'm also waiting for, uh, I've yet to see a headset designed. And part of this is that these these things, like they, they have a certain amount of equipment you have to package into these headsets. But they all look kind of horrible. They all look like you're out of a bad, <laughs> like like a really poorly done sci-fi movie from 20 or 30 years ago. Like the HoloLens is guilty of this. I mean, Google Glass made you look just like an absolute idiot. Uh, really all the other competitors. I'm waiting for someone to actually consult someone that knows something about fashion and design before they try to market these just because they, I don't know, in my, at least in my opinion, they've all fallen short. Yeah, I, I have a talk that I give that revolves around this type of tech. And uh, the one of the takeaways from it is the fact that um, this human condition applies to everything that we do. And uh, one of those things, you know, one of the human conditions of this is just looking like an idiot, uh, wearing either these things on your head or you're standing there waving your hands in the air like a lunatic. Uh, nobody else can see what you're looking at. So you just look like a fool, just, you know, swinging your arms around. Uh, reminds me of um, a Brian Regan joke where he's talking about walking into a spider web. He's like, if, you know, you're the one walking into a spider web, <laughs> you know, you're waving your hands around, you know why you're doing it, but the people looking at you think you're crazy. <laughs> you're just like walking into free space, like swinging your arms like a fool. Yeah. And, you know, really regardless, I think just as a high level to answer your question of like why mobile, if you're a developer and you, you know, you're, you're in the shower and you're struck instantly with this great app idea. If you look at your choices now, it's like, do I want to build for, uh, an OS is iOS and Android that reach billions of people that can instantly have my app as soon as I put it on the stores. Or do I want to go into territory like the HoloLens where it's somewhat proprietary, uh, a more limited user set? I mean, the the answer is you're you're always going to pick the the widely distributed platform unless there's a really compelling reason. Like there's really something that the HoloLens or some of these other devices does that you absolutely need for what it is you're building mm -hmm. and there might be i mean especially if you're building something pretty high end there might be some reason you really need to be on one of these headsets but for your average app you you really don't and you can build something pretty decent for mobile devices and get it to a whole crap ton of people yeah i think that distribution uh platform is, is a big deal um it, if you look at building something that's going to be a commercial app. I think you have like literally no choice but to go with a mobile device. Um, if you're looking at like a massive industrial application that you know a, um, uh, a manufacturer or something that has really deep pockets that can afford to equip their workforce with some HoloLens uh, devices and, um, you know, to invest in some serious development time, you might have a chance to build something there. But uh, for, for the most part, you know, for the mass audience of developers out there, I think you're going to be limited to those 
mobile devices. Yep, agreed. Yeah, and there, there certainly are cases. I mean, we at Progress are building stuff for those use cases as well, because, I mean, if you're a business that could invest a lot of money into hardware like that, I mean, you you do potentially stand to gain. I mean, there's some compelling use cases where AR can really help you out. And if you have the the budget to spend on hardware and also development time, I mean, you could potentially save a lot of money with a really cool app. But like you said, the the barrier to entry is so much higher that it's it's a niche. Mm-hmm. So what are some good examples then of the, the lower barrier, barrier to entry? Uh, what are some commercial things that are out there that we could download and try or things that are coming uh, to the app store? Okay, so I'm going to start with my my absolute favorite AR app. And even though it's it's somewhat of a silly example, there's an app called Flight Radar, and it's out in the iOS app store. So it's it's out for iPhones. I, I, I'm actually not sure I should know this, but I'm not sure if it's available for Android as well. But the idea is quite simple, which a lot of these AR apps, um, really things are pretty simple. But the way Flight Radar works is there's an AR mode. And if you hear a plane flying overhead, you can point the app, point your uh, device's camera at the plane, and it'll just show a little tooltip on the plane telling you uh, where this, what plane this is, you know, what flight number, where did it come from, where is it going, which I just find, I don't know, so- something about it is just makes it incredibly amusing to me. Uh, and I use the app all the time, partially because I live fairly close to an airport, so I see planes every now and then. I'm just deeply curious. Yeah, it's... There's some really um, cool apps that overlay data like that. Uh, one of one of the ones I think that's coming to market soon is uh, by Google Maps, and it's going to overlay your um, kind of your directional data. Where if you're walking down the street trying to find, say, McDonald's or something, uh, it'll give you the left and right turns visually overlaid on top of your camera uh, so you know when to you know hang a left at the corner type of thing yeah and especially like i've i've wanted this for so long because i this is one of the things that google glass did back in the day and i think about it all the time if especially in larger cities where like it doesn't necessarily have the greatest gps accuracy or it doesn't you, you don't know which way you're pointing you're facing that sort of thing like i could see myself for sure using that so yeah, I'm waiting yeah. for that to be live. I'm waiting for the air windshield so we can just have that on our car. Of course, maybe <laughs> they'll be self-driving by then. We won't have to worry about it. I could have a little bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Tech everywhere. Exactly. Uh, what are what are some like super popular ones uh, that are in the store? Yeah, I think the the most common or the the biggest AR app out there is Snapchat. And if you think really just AR doesn't have to be things like uh, placing Pokemon, if we like Pokemon Go as an example as, as well, or placing like like arrows into the real world. It can just be things like the filter Snapchat does. So really anything that changes reality in real time. So just a filter that changes your face. Um, Snapchat has its face swap cons. Uh, uh, what am I looking for? A face swap construct thing where you swap faces with another person. Um, so those are examples of AR as well. Another thing that I found when I was researching this is that there's an absolute ton of makeup apps out on both the app store. And really they're appearing now in Google play where it's these makeup brands that just put their, what their products out on the app store. And you just, 
point the camera at your face and say, like, I want to see what I look like in this lipstick. And what I found is that they're quite good, like surprisingly good nowadays at uh, making these things fairly accurate and, and kind of fun. And I've actually been waiting for I when is going to be the like for a Skype app or a Hangouts app or some sort of video chat app to start to integrate this sort of thing into to real time. Like imagine joining a video call and having the option to like clean up your face a little bit if you're a little tired or put on some lipstick, put on so- something to touch up your face, fix your hair a little bit. Because from what I've seen on the stores, the, the technology is there. It's totally possible right now and it works pretty well. I, th- I think we're we're just scratching the surface of this sort of thing becoming more commonplace in our day-to-day lives. I won't get too political, but uh, if you were a certain president of a country you wouldn't even have to comb over your hair exactly if uh, you're using skype you just need a filter <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll end the political discussion there and uh <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about how can we maybe build some of these things like those are all great examples like what are some of the tools at our disposal to make something like that so for mobile i mean ar is not necessarily a new concept to mobile i mean these are things that you've always been able to build um, but for the longest time the barrier to entry to ar was quite hard because some of the things we've talked about just things like detecting planes and calculating coordinates um, and play you know knowing the positions for to place things like that were things that you just had to hand code there was no there was nothing built into the systems to make this possible so while there were some apps that have been out on the stores uh, for a very long time. One reason that we're seeing more AR apps on mobile quite recently is both Apple and Google have been putting out APIs to make developers' lives a little bit easier when it comes to AR. So iOS, Apple at iOS released a series of APIs they call AR Kit that shipped with the latest version of iOS back last fall. And then Android released their version because, of course, they had to call it something slightly different. Uh, Android has AR Core, which debuted around the same time as Apple, but um, they didn't call theirs 1.0 until earlier this year. I think it was either February or March, but they've they've brought it out of beta. They now consider it production ready. Um, so AR Kit for iOS and AR Core for Android. And really what these APIs do is they're just a series of building blocks to help you as a developer that wants to build AR apps a little bit easier. So I've spent more time with AR Kit, so I know a little bit more about that, but AR Core is fairly similar. And these include things like plane detection, one of the first things you mentioned. So if I'm pointing my camera out into the world, one of the things I might want to do for building an AR app is know where flat surfaces are. Because if I know that, then I can place things on those surfaces, whether that's Pokemon, whether that's furniture. There's an app, popular app on iOS called IKEA Place that basically just lets you decorate your room with virtual furniture. And to do that, though, I need to know where I can place my furniture so that if I put a couch down, the couch just doesn't fall off into infinity. It actually knows where to sit, where to look right, where my camera is. I'm glad you mentioned the IKEA app because that's one of the first ones that I've seen uh, come to market. And it's actually been in there quite a while. And because of that, 
um, history it has, you can kind of see how the, the technology's transformed over some time. When that first came out, you used to actually have to print like what equates to a giant QR code on your printer. And you'd have to like take that QR code and place it where the furniture would theoretically be in the room. And now it does plane detection. Yeah, and really, I it's funny because I use it in demos all the time because it it might as well be a tutorial for AR kit. It sticks to the, like the built-in API so well. So the the first thing it does is plane detection to get around manual QR printing and such. So it does that automatically. The second, um, which is sounds basic but is actually kind of hard, is it lets you add three D models into into a world into a scene. So given the IKEA place example, once you know where a flat surface is you probably want to put something on it. And so Ikea will have like a library of 3D models for things like their, you know, the different furniture sets, different artwork, these sorts of things. And what you can then do with ARKit is there's APIs to say, okay, add this model to this plane at this coordinate position and ARKit will put it down there. There it is. You can see it. You could also, what's, what's also hard to implement on your own is ARKit will also remember where that model is as well. So given the IKEA place example, you can put a couch, say, in you know, one room of your house, go walk around to another room, maybe go down the street for a little bit, come back, and lo, lo and behold, that couch will still be there because ARKit not only knows that plane is there, it knows where the model is, and it'll also keep track of things as you move around and do other things as well which again is not the easiest thing to hand code. So you're getting all this behavior now with pretty simple APIs instead of having to figure all of this out yourself. That's a lot of spatial data to crunch through to try to remember where things are placed. Um, When some of these things first came out, they either just kind of floated in thin air in front of you and wherever you turned, they'd float along with you. Yeah, there's also a full physics engine built into this thing as well. So, for example, if I take a couch and I could, although the IKEA place doesn't exactly work this way, but I could just take another couch and drop it on top of the existing one. (laughs) And it knows like because it knows the boundaries of the couch. You can assign different 3D models uh, masses. So you can say this couch weighs yeah, a hundred pounds and this couch weighs 200 pounds. And then it would know when one couch hit the other at a certain angle, how it's supposed to handle that collision. So the, probably the most common use case there is some sort of game. So like I've, I've heard of people building like a sort of in real world Minecraft type thing where you can have shapes of different sizes of different densities, and you could start placing those around. Um, there's there's companies too working on shared AR experiences. So you can imagine you're playing Minecraft in your driveway, but you're playing with three of your friends and you all have your phones out and you can interact with the models that your friends are dropping as well. And you're all sh- uh, looking around, sharing the same experience, but all viewing it through the lens of your phone. Yeah, that, that could be interesting for like... Uh people that work in um like the car business like selling cars you could see that car in your driveway 
show it to your friends <laughs> that type of stuff. Yeah, exactly. It opens up a lot of cool opportunities. Yeah, you could imagine going to a dealer and the dealers like giving you like having you download something to your phone and you could go home and seeing if it fits the car fits in your garage well, how much space you have, like you said, take pictures of it with your friends. I mean the interesting thing so as a Pokemon Go player, it's been funny one of the things people actually the thing people do most with the AR mode is just take pictures. So they'll take down a, uh, take a Pokemon, place it into the real world and just try to take pictures of it. And so even there's like silly interactions kind of like that, but you could see how it's pragmatic. Like you said, with the car example, it would be kind of cool before you drop a bunch of money on a car to just digitally take it home with you and put it around and try it out, see where it fits and things like that. So we, we're talking mostly about um, the AR kit so far as uh, and some general application usage for that. What if we wanted to build cross-platform? Are there solutions for you know targeting a wider array of um, you know devices and operating systems? So like a lot of mobile APIs, ARKit and ARCore are fairly similar. I mean, they they have their differences, but at the end of the day, both of them let you detect planes. Both of them let you add 3D models. Both have some sort of collision detection built in. So the lots of developers, if you're if you're building something really advanced, you might want to leverage all of those things. But if you're building something basic, it again, like a lot of mobile tasks, it seems silly to build the same basic sort of experience twice. And so a lot of popular cross-platform frameworks have developed plugins for working with AR and just to sort of lower the learning curve because ARKit and ARCorp are powerful, but they're they're also not the world's easiest APIs to work with. And there's, again, two sets of them. So you're working with them for iOS, and then you have to turn all right around and build the exact same thing for Android as well. So I'd say the most popular one that I I see out there is Unity has a really good plugin for working with AR. That's the one Pokemon Go uses. Uh, There's some other apps that use it as well. Um, I know Xamarin has one as well. React Native has a a plugin for working with these APIs. But the one I'm most familiar with for obvious reasons is the AR plugin we have for NativeScript. So with our plugin, it's the same basic concept. Basically, with NativeScript, you're writing one uh, you're writing iOS and Android apps from one code base anyways. So something like AR is a logical extension of something like that because you could then drop in some AR capabilities and just, again, keep working within one language and one code base for building these sorts of apps. And NativeScript, um, if you haven't heard of NativeScript before, it's H- H- sorry XML, JavaScript, and CSS that's... Um, that gets compiled into a native iOS or Android experience. Yeah. And not to get, I, we could drop into the code here, which is great for a audio podcast, but the, at the extreme high level, what it would look like if you wanted to bit to add AR capabilities to your native script apps, like you said, with, with native script, you're defining your UI anyways in markup. So with our AR plugin, we have a markup tag that's, literally called AR. So you drop in a angle brackets AR tag in, and that defines the area of the screen that you'd want to show the user's camera because the camera is how you view AR experiences on mobile. And then you have the ability, once you have that sort of AR region defined, 
you can either add things to it, like you can overlay text or different UI elements, um, just because you, you might not want the AR experience to take up the entire screen. Like if you're thinking like a, a Minecraft type example, you might want certain blocks that you can select or dragged in or some other ways that you might want to navigate to other parts of your app. So you have this AR experience, you've defined it as an area of a screen. And then we also provide a series of APIs that you can use to deal with that. So for example, in your code that sort of backs this, this UI, you could say things like, uh, detect planes or add 3D model, or we have add box, add text, add sphere, some of the basic APIs you'd expect to exist. But the benefit we're really providing with you uh, for DataScript is that you're only having to write this code once. So under the hoods, we've implemented this using ARKit and ARCore, but that's sort of transparent to you. And we've also provided, provided simpler APIs than dealing with the raw abstractions that iOS and Android have. So hopefully we make your lives a little bit easier. And the last thing I should mention too is that with NativeScript, we also try to let developers always have access to the metal, have access to the raw APIs. So if you're coding mostly in a cross-platform way, but you see some internet article and says, oh, ARKit actually lets you do this advanced thing and you want to leverage that as part of your applications, you always have the ability to sort of eject out of the, the cross-platform friendly way and just write your native code as you need to um, when that situation comes up. And it's also also worth mentioning that native script is free and open source, and so is the plugin. So those things aren't going to cost you any money. Nope. And pull requests and new features are welcome. So if you you dive in and you you want to add some new stuff to help make native script developers' lives easier, you are more than welcome to contribute. TJ works for Coffee and Pokemon. <laughs> exactly. That's how we pay him. <laughs> in that order. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so other than uh, of native script, are there any other uh, cross-platform tools out there that we can use? Yeah, like I said, Unity has a good one, Xamarin, React Native. I'm, I imagine that a cross-platform framework of any size probably has some offering. I, I haven't extensively tested them, so I, I can't tell you how good they necessarily are. I, I think there's almost a separate conversation we could have about the fact that uh, iOS and Android so... Uh, they, they basically almost steal each other's good ideas so often that I like to think that cross-platform frameworks are becoming more and more feasible for more and more applications just because, mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's crazy how often this, this happens where one platform comes out with some series of APIs and the other platform thinks it's a good idea and just implements it, but slightly differently, just yeah. enough to make your life painful if you were working purely native because you would have to write this twice. But from a cross-platform perspective, it's like, hey, I just need a new new implementation of these APIs and our developers can just get on their way. They, they make them different just enough to get past the uh the uh, patent lawyers. That's yeah. what they do. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think too, it's also pretty even. Like, I, I don't think Apple or uh, they sort of steal equally from each other. They've both been guilty of stealing each other's good and bad ideas over the years. Mm -hmm. So I, I like to talk about where I see the future of this stuff going. And the analysis that I like to give is. Uh, you know, we've started with big data and collecting all this massive amounts of data. And then we have AI to kind of rationalize that 
big, massive amount of data that no human could possibly be able to parse through in their lifetime. And then now we have AR, this way of visualizing all of that massive amount of data. So if you think about all the data that's spatially relevant, and now you have a lens to look at that data through, uh, I think we're going to see some really cool stuff happening in the future. Yeah, and I think, too, as headsets continue to evolve, because I think there's most people would agree that the the, the sort of ideal destination for AR is some sort of lens, whether that's a contact lens or some sort of glasses or headsets or something like that, just because there is still a little bit of awkwardness associated with using AR apps on your phone because mm-hmm. you're always you always need to look through that lens in order to see the experience. And that that, that can range from slightly awkward to extremely awkward. So think of like your Google Maps directions example. I mean, it's cool that I could look at my phone and it would show me like an arrow of where I needed to turn. But how much better would it be if I didn't have to take my phone out of my pocket and the arrow was just there in my peripheral vision for me to see? So I think that's where things are going as well. But I think it's going to be some time before these these companies that are producing these things can bring costs down, um, can figure out how solve some of the harder technical issues like how if I'm going to mount this thing in my face, where's the battery going to go and all those sorts of things. But I think we'll be having a different conversation about these things in really even the near future, five, 10 years from now. Yeah. I, I think in the next few years, we'll, we'll see uh, kind of, I don't know if it'll be through like channels or apps or how this will kind of come about, but um, I think Pokemon Go is kind of a decent example of how things might evolve. Uh, to where you have, you know, either multiple apps that you open and each one of those apps has spatial data based on where you are, where people have interacted with things, left digital objects behind, and there's things that you're going to interact with that you can't see without some sort of device and app combination. Yeah, there's somebody working on an app where it's basically you create you can create AR art somewhere in the world and then just leave it there, right, for other people to discover and play with and alter and that sort of thing. And I think that I think there's enormous potential there for things like games. If I wanted to mark like maybe I want to have an AR treasure hunt around a city. We've seen people building apps like that too, where I find something, I, I, I leave something, maybe I hide something for other people. Um, there's business cases as well. Like if I'm a museum or some sort of tour organizer, uh, think of how much more compelling you could make a tour that you run by yourself if you could do it through AR, especially if you bring in sound into the equation as well. You could build something really cool and not have to try to have a tour tour guide shout at you to hear. You could just have it all right there with you. Yeah, I would like to see some historical tours where you walk uh, to some historical site and see it in its heyday uh, through an augmented lens. That would be really cool. Yeah, you could turn it on and off. And they, yeah, because I we just did recently a tour of Boston. I should maybe a year or so ago. And it's becoming more common for these companies to put out like audio tours, right? Where you're supposed to like self-guided tours of areas, Mm -hmm. but those are always a little bit awkward because 
they always have to have steps like, okay, you need to find this area, look for this. And there's these weird steps. And with AR, you could just say, oh, I know you're here. Or it could even know where you're looking. Yeah. Like, I'm looking at this. Oh, you might want to know that this is such and such. Yeah, there's there's definitely some really cool stuff in our future. So if you're listening and you want to build some of this futuristic stuff, we have some resources for you. I know, TJ, you've written a couple articles on how to get started. Uh, we can put those in the show notes. Uh, what, what are those articles about? We'll give everybody a kind of heads up what they are. Yeah, so I mean, really, if you just Google native script augmented reality, we'll, we'll include links, but you should be able to find it just with some simple searches. And if you are the sort of person that likes dealing with native iOS and native Android, just sort of raw, if you just Google AR kit documentation or AR core documentation, you should pretty easily be able to find what you need and to to get things going. I will give people a little bit of a, a warning because this is something that I hit too. AR is a lot of fun to work with the basics. Um, I think regardless of what platform you use, it's it's not too hard to get the simple things like, oh, I detected a plane, I added a box. Um, and those things are quite easy. But there's a huge gap between being able to do that and say, like building the app that you might have in your head, like an incredibly compelling AR app. So <laughs> I know this is something that I, I struggled with as I was preparing for demos and such. Like I got the basics running. It was really cool. AR is a really awesome technology to experiment with. And I really encourage everyone listening here to try it. But then I wanted to take this, uh, you know, this really simple thing I had and turn it into to sort of a real app. And I kept uh, I kept running, you know, hitting my head on the wall for dealing with some of these more advanced things, because even though ARKit and ARCore sort of lower the barrier to AR, uh, if you want to build something really advanced, that that learning gap is still there. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons why we're not seeing quite as many you know, really powerful uh, AR apps in the stores quite yet. But math is hard. It is. <laughs> but I just just even things like I had this app idea where I would be able to label things around the house and uh, just had this great idea. But then like once I got into the positioning logic of like, oh, that's right, I have to concern myself with the angle I put the text at and the exact coordinate locations where I detect these things. And I, I'm learning why, you know, lots of times these AR apps have entire companies behind it. Like Snapchat has bought a ton of companies that have specialized for years in building some of these things to make it possible. And I'm starting to see why. Like it's it's a fun space. Like the potential is enormous, but the the learning curve is there too. So you have to be willing to put in the time if you're looking to do something really advanced. Yeah, I'm thinking people with a background in like, game engine design or usage even would excel in something like this. Yep. Yeah. Cause unless if you're like me and you only know the basics of things like that, you'll be able to have a little bit of fun. I mean, I, I certainly don't regret the time I've spent because I, I think it's a, it's a really sort of interesting set of APIs to play with. Uh, but uh, you're not going to see me making it rich in the next few months. I'm, I'm not quitting to some Caribbean Island because of the next great, next great AR app that I built from the ground up. So I'm going to coin this right now. That was TJ's augmented reality check. Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Manage your expectations. But yes. it's cool stuff to play with. So get out there and have some fun. Play, but play with realistic expectations. <laughs> <laughs> 
don't quit your day job and <laughs> seek out DC Capital. And- yes, this is this is this has been Ed and TJ's financial tips. <laughs> don't storm in your boss's office tomorrow and <laughs> quit and drop the microphone. Uh, so we'll put those resources up on our uh, on our website at uh, blogs.teller.com uh, under the developer central um, topic. And uh, we'll also link to that from SoundCloud. You can find us at SoundCloud uh, slash Eat Sleep Code Podcast. So we'll have the resources up for you there. TJ, any last uh, shout outs of uh, your Twitter account, anywhere we can find you, that sort of thing? Twitter's probably the best place. So I'm, I'm TJ Van Toll pretty much everywhere on the internet. So on Twitter, that's at TJ Van Toll. So TJ V A N T O L L. That should be about it. 